podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Thursday, the 22nd of July, brought to you, as always, by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. That's a virtual privacy network which allows you to go online, change your location, access American Netflix if you're outside the US, access Now TV if you're outside the UK and Brexit is blocking you from doing so. You can also access the BBC iPlayer or the RTE player if you're outside of either of those jurisdictions and want to watch either the great coverage of the Olympics on BBC or all the GAA in the All-Ireland Championship on the RTE player. LibertyShield.com, use the code EPLVPN, you get 20% off at checkout. And the most important thing is LibertyShield.com will keep your data safe. That is obviously the most important thing in this day and age. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Homeofhopcroft.co.uk and the physical shop. If you're in Scotland and you want to go and visit, they're open seven days a week now. Go and say hello to Greg and Mrs. Greg. Um, Right, folks, it is Thursday, which means it's question day. So what we're going to do, we've got some questions from Twitter and some questions from Discord. So we will jump into the Twitter side, uh, put the question out on the Anfield Index account today. And uh, we've got a few responses here. So Vinyl Maniac, Liverpool never seem to be in for loan players. Why is that? What would you think of Pedro Neto or Dumbele with a loan, with an obligation to buy based on incentives reached? So Neto... Wolves, there's not a hope that they'd let him go like that. You'd have to buy him. It would cost a lot of money, and he's got a bad knee injury. So we have to wait and see how he does. Dembele, I do think you could probably get him on a loan with an obligation to buy. And let's just say that that obligation is triggered if he makes 25 appearances, because there's concerns with Dembele. Number one, he's injury prone. Unfortunately for Usman Dembele, despite incredible talent he is injury prone he misses a lot of games each and every season and that's obviously going to be a concern for Liverpool who have a number of players who are injury prone like you look at his career since joining Barcelona hamstring injury 20 games missed torn muscle bundle 7 games missed ankle injury 5 game missed Another torn muscle bundle, four games missed. Hamstring injury, four games missed. Another hamstring injury, five games missed. Muscular problems, one game missed. Another torn muscle bundle, 15 games missed. Now, then he's got a hamstring injury, which keeps him out for 19 games. So I'm assuming that's the same injury because there's only two days split between them. So I'm assuming he came back, trained and, and broke down again. But he missed 34 games in 1920 
through basically one injury. And overall that season, he missed 40 games through injury in 1920. Last season, hamstring injury, five games. Unknown injury, one game. Hamstring injury, nine games. And that most recent hamstring injury is meant to keep him out until October. So that's quite a severe one. So that's an awful lot of games for somebody to have missed over four seasons. That would greatly concern me. He's also immature. He doesn't apply himself in the way that you would want, especially considering what Barcelona paid for him. He has all the talent to be one of the best players in the world. But I think what we're looking at here, because him and Mbappe, when they were coming through the French system, those were the two. Neck and neck the whole way. Some people felt Dembele was more talented, Mbappe more physically gifted. It appears to me that what we're getting is maybe a Cristiano Ricardo Charisma type of situation where Charisma, when they were both kids, Charisma was more talented. Like there's more natural football talent with Ricardo Charisma. Cristiano, obviously, huge amounts of talent, but greater physical gifts and far more application and dedication to the game. I think it's the same thing with Mbappe who has more physical gifts, but also far more application, far more dedication, as opposed to Usman, more talented maybe naturally, but doesn't doesn't seem to put the extra work in, seems to rely a lot on that natural talent. So that's a concern, and he's inconsistent. That's in part because of the immaturity, and in part because of the injuries. Now, he's still a young player. Usman Dembele is only 24. He has time on his side, but not a whole bunch. Like, it's not like he's 21 anymore. He has really got to turn things around in this next season. Now, he's a free agent next summer. So the deal to do there, if Liverpool had interest, would be to say, look, we want him. And we know that in January, we can agree a pre-contract with him because he has made it pretty clear he doesn't want to stay at Barcelona anymore. So you go to Barcelona, you go to Dembele, you say, look, we want to do this deal. We can't afford to buy him now. And obviously we have, you know, some concerns, the injuries, etc. Why don't you sign a one-year extension with Barca? We will take you on loan with an obligation to buy you next summer when, again, you'll have one year left on your deal. And we'll agree a fee now of, I'm just going to arbitrarily use the transfer market valuation on him which is 45 million pounds which is a big loss for Barca obviously but I think it's a fair price they overpaid for him because they had the Neymar money they wanted to make splashy signings they couldn't quite get the Coutinho deal across the line in that window so they went and they overspent on Dembele and now unfortunately he's not worth the money that they paid for him um there's obviously been flashes of brilliance, but there's been long periods where you would question whether or not whether or not he actually wants to play. This past season now, 44 go- games, which is a good return, 11 goals and 5 assists. 
That's promising. The previous season, he only played nine games and he scored once. No assists. That's a massive concern. Um, 18-19 was a good season. 42 games, 14 goals and 8 assists. That's pretty impressive. The first season he was there, 24 games, 4 goals, 9 assists. Only, only 1,200 minutes. Injuries, other issues. You look back at his time at Dortmund, though. 10 goals and 21 assists. He was phenomenal there in the 16-17 season. You go back to the previous season when he was at Rennes, 12 goals, 5 assists. So he is a productive player. I would say, though, word of caution to United fans, have a look at that return, 10 goals, 21 assists in 3,387 minutes in 16-17. Those are similar enough numbers to what Sancho's putting up. Similar age, similar transfer fee. Now, Sancho doesn't have the injury problems, but prior to joining Barca, Dembele didn't have any injury problems. So, just caution United fans on what they expect of Sancho straight away. I would probably do a loan deal for Dembele with an obligation to buy, because I think you'll know within a couple of months whether or not you're going to want to keep him. And if you don't want to keep him, send him back in January, don't get to the 25-game threshold, and just be done. Barca get him back with 18... If, they, if you sent him back in the January, Barca get him back with 18 months left in his contract. He's a little bit more valuable to you, to them then rather than with 12 months as he has now. And they can probably find a buyer for 35, 40 million. I don't know why Liverpool don't do that. Maybe it's because they don't like to commit to things without being certain. Um, we know that Liverpool scout players over a prolonged period of time. We know that injuries is obviously a factor in, in how they look at things because, you know, you can't have too many players that come in injury prone and they've suffered badly from injuries last year. But I think all things considered, I would take Usman Dembele on a loan. I would definitely take Neto, but I just don't think Neto would be available. I think, though, keep an eye on Neto as a potential Liverpool target either next summer or the summer after, depending on how he recovers from that knee injury. Um, moving on, Chris Wall, what's your thoughts on buying young players only to loan them and then sell them for profit with no expectation that they ever make it to the first team? Liverpool with uh, Awanee, loads of examples at Chelsea and City. Good for money, but bad for the development of a generation of young players. Yeah, I, th I think it's a bad thing for the development of young players. Now, I will say, what I do like the idea of is having a network like the City Football Group and buying players and then loaning them within that network to develop because I think then you can have some of, somewhat of an expectation that they will make the first team. And if they don't, they're still benefiting your group. So... Let's just say, for example, City have signed the, the young Brazilian lads this summer. I think they're both going to Troyes. They may never reach City's level, but they will benefit Troyes in the short term. And City will probably turn a profit on them. So I don't necessarily like the Chelsea model where you've got 400 players out on loan. Like Chelsea had a stupid amount of players on loan last season. 
Um, if you look at Chelsea's current squad, right, there are 21 senior players registered. There are a further 25 senior players currently under contract at the club and then four more out on loan. That's too many. That's ridiculous. To be loaning out that many players is a nonsense. And like, there's some young players, admittedly, uh, Teddy Sharman Lowe, Jake Clark Salter, but then you've got Baba Rockman, they paid 16 or 17 million for him. Zaba Costa was a big money buy. Uh, Malang Sar was on a free, but they gave him big wages. Uh, Danny Drinkwater, they paid 40 million for 35 million. Ross Barkley, they paid in around 20. Uh, Bakioka was 35-ish. Michi Batshuayi, I think, was around 30. Like, there's a lot of big money buys there that don't even have a squad number. You know? And, like, Rockman, he's been out on loan, has to be four or five times. So they bought him from Augsburg in 2015. He played 15 games in the league that first season. 23 in all competitions. And he has spent the last six seasons out on loan. Six seasons on loan. What's worse is that when he signed, he signed a five-year contract. So after after that first year, he had four years left. He said six seasons on loan, which means he re-signed with them. And more purposely, they offered him a new contract. Now, his current contract runs out next summer. A seven-year contract. Like, seven years he's going to have been at the club. That's ridiculous. There's absolutely bananas that he's just had that career. Considering how highly regarded he was when Chelsea signed him. And I know they've probably made a few million in loans, and that's fine. But, I mean, the poor lad's career has basically been wasted. Bouncing around Europe, playing for, you know, largely substandard teams. I think he had two loans in one season. I think that's how it's it's been. Fu- six loans in five years. Just how he has a year left. Um, I, you know that type of thing. I would bother me. But the idea of bringing in younger players, I, like the Red Bull model, is obviously the the one that's probably worked the best. Where Salzburg bring in a lot of young players from Africa and around Europe. They either develop them in-house or they loan them out to, is it Lifering, the other um, kind of the feeder feeder club. They loan them out there to get them experience and they'll, they'll bring them back to uh, to Salzburg. And then the players that do really well at Salzburg will either get sold on to Leipzig or if the player doesn't want to make the move to Leipzig, they get sold at a big profit. You look at Pats and Daka gone this summer. Uh, Mwepo gone this summer to Brighton. Obviously Erling Haaland. Then there's the ones that do make the move. Conrad Leimer. Dominic Sazbalaya. Dale Upamecano. Naby Keita, obviously. I like the Leipzig, Salzburg, Red Bull way of doing things. The City way, they're obviously still establishing that. It hasn't become as well tuned but that's I think the plan 
is that they can buy players in and loan them here, there and everywhere. Um, but at least those players are going to be getting regular game time within the same organization with a similar mindset throughout similar people that they can be in contact with. And I think the big plan for them as well is obviously a similar coaching style so that all players have been developed with the aim of getting into the first team. Chelsea's is, is more scattergun, more haphazard. I don't like the Chelsea model. I think it's bad for the development of players. And I know for a fact if I was the agent of any of Dion Sterling, Conor Gallagher, um, Lewis Baker players of that, I'd be telling them, look, the first chance you get, get, get out of there, get out of there permanently. And I would never advise a young player to go to Chelsea because, you know, let's look at their their senior squad. Um, Andreas Christensen, they bought as a young player from Bronby. I think he was like 16. They brought him in. He spent two years on loan with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Then got a bit of a regular run in the... Um, 17-18 season, played 40 games. The following season, he played a lot in Europe, but very little in the league. And in the last two seasons, he's been a squad player. He's now 25. He hasn't really become the centre-back he looked like he'd become because he hasn't been given that regular starting role and time to develop. Um, that would concern me. You know, you look at others in the squad, Tammy Abraham... He didn't even make the squad for the cup final. Mason Mount, he's he's an exception to the rule there. I think he'll be a long-term fixture at that club. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi can't get a game. Rumoured to want out. Reese James, I mean, he's had a loan. He's now back there. Obviously, Mason Mount had a loan as well. Reese James looks like he should establish himself, but it's still questionable at the moment. Um, Tuchel doesn't really seem to fancy him as a wing-back, likes him more as a centre-back. That may just be because of Thiago Silva's lack of pace. But we don't know yet if Reese James will be a long-term fixture at Chelsea. They were linked with Hakimi this summer. Um, and I don't think anyone thinks James is a long-term answer at centre-back. So, you know, do they really fancy him for the long haul? I don't, I don't know. Like I say, I like the Red Bull model. I like I like what I think the City model will be. I don't like the Chelsea model. Um, Zane, ZLFC1892. Do you think Liverpool will buy late in the transfer window like Thiago and Jota last year? No, I actually think we'll see movement soon. Um, we might see one soon and one later, depending on sales. I think, you know, they're, they're obviously trying to get a lot of players out the door. Um, Grujic is gone. Iwani is gone. The young Polish keeper, whose name escapes me, he's gone. Grabera. And the Canadian kid is gone to FC Basel, Liam Miller. Nat Phillips, they want to sell. Nico, they want to sell. Wilson, they want to sell. Shakiri they want to sell. Uh, Divock Origi, they definitely want to sell. I think they'd, they'd be open to selling Minamino. So, I mean, there's seven. There's also the likes of Shea Ojo, Ben Woodburn, that I think they're more than happy to sell. It's just, you know, they're not going to bring in big money. The others will. Um, so I think if they can clear out everybody they want, I think what we'll see is we'll see one now and maybe one, potentially two, towards the end of the window. I think if they sell everybody, they might even bring in three towards the end of the window. 
because the squad will be just a little bit thin. And it may free up the money to get the different things they want. Like They'd ideally like to bring in a backup right back behind Trent. It's just that that's not high on their list of priorities. Um, I do think they would want to bring in another centre-back in an ideal situation. It's just not high on the list of priorities. So midfielder, attacker, and then I think we'll see maybe another defender, potentially two brought in, younger players to develop. Maybe a Jed Spence from Middlesbrough, who I've mentioned a few times. Somebody like that you can bring in, develop behind Trent. And worst case scenario, you sell him in two years, make a good profit on him, and you just repeat the cycle. Um, FC Molman reports yesterday say FSG see next season as the big rebuild. What type of rebuild would you like to see? And what do you think FSG's vision is? See, I think this is just nonsense, been honest. I don't believe there's ever going to be a big rebuild because I don't believe that's the model. I think the model is continuous growth. Um, if you look at what they're looking to do now, they're trying to re- uh, renew the contracts of Allison, Fabinho, Salah, Virgil, Bobby, potentially Mane, Trent, and Robertson. That's seven start. That's eight starters. Excuse me, eight starters. The ninth starter would then be whoever they sign to replace Ginny. The 10th starter is Ibrahima Kanate. And the 11th is Thiago Alcantara. Kanate signed this summer. Alcantara last summer. They've got years to go. I don't think there's going to be a rebuild. I think what they look to do is... I think this summer we could see Bobby Firmino transitioned into a bench role. Like I think we'll see Jordan Henderson transitioned into a bench role, which I think was the aim when they bought Thiago. Thiago, Fabinho, Ginny, I assume, was the midfield that Klopp had in mind. That moves Henderson from starter to valuable squad player. I think, obviously, if the midfielder comes in this summer, that will be the midfield. Thiago, Fabinho, and potentially Saul, if that's the midfield that they, if that's the midfielder they bring in, that's the starting midfield. Henderson then becomes the fourth midfielder. Naby Keita, the fifth. Probably Curtis Jones, the sixth. And James Milner or Oxley chamberlain the seventh. In attack, I think it's the same thing. I think they'll look to bring in someone who could potentially become a starter. So you've got that starter, Salah, Mane, and then Firmino and Jota as the depth. Next season, it wouldn't surprise me if Mane was sold. Even if he signs a new deal, it wouldn't surprise me if he was sold. You move Mane off, you bring in a new starter. I think Liverpool's hold off, hold back on going for Sancho this season. The wages aside, I think those were prohibitive, but I think Liverpool would have gone hard after Sancho if Mane hadn't had such a poor season. If Mane had had a really good season, I think they'd have looked to sell him this summer and replace him with Sancho. Didn't happen. Mane had a stinker. His value went down. And off to United, Sancho goes, and best of luck to him. Um, so I, I don't see a big rebuild coming, because if you look at centre-back, they've brought in Kanate, I think, the plan will be that he starts next to Virgil within probably 6 to 12 months. Um, Gomez is still quite young. I think Matip will get moved on maybe next summer. So you look to bring in a replacement for him. And if you've brought in a centre-back this summer as well, a young centre-back to develop, 
you're starting to plan for the succession behind Virgil, but that's not coming for three or four years. Trent is locked in at right back. Robbo locked in at left back. Fab's getting that new deal. He's locked in. Thiago, whoever the midfielder is, Allison. That's all locked in. And Salah will be locked in up front. Plus, whatever attacker you bring in this season, whoever you bring in to replace Mane next season, plus Jota, plus Bobby. So I don't see a big rebuild coming. I think that's an uninformed journalist spouting rubbish because he's not getting any information. So his assumption is there is no information. They're not doing anything. They are doing stuff. They're just not telling you because you blotted your copybook more than once with the club, more than once in quite a serious manner, which is why you've been fed names of players that there's not a hope Liverpool are going to attempt to sign. I don't see a big rebuild coming. I think next season we might see maybe one or two bigger names, Mane, Matip, go, and maybe one big signing come in, someone to play on the left of that front three, or if Klopp wants to shake it up and change the shape. So, But whoever replaces Mane, I expect to be a... I don't think it'll be a 100, 120 million signing, but I think it could be somebody in that 60 to 80 million range. Um, I, I Like I said, don't expect a big um, a big rebuild. Uh, Vinyl Maniac, thoughts on Jared Bowen, Matthias Pereira and Hossim Auer. So to start with Auer, I addressed this last week. I think he's a very, very talented player who, for reasons that don't really make sense to me, has kind of fallen down the pecking order at Lyon and also in the mind of you know the general public. Two years ago, they were talking sixty million for hour, and everybody wanted him. He was been linked with Barcelona. He was been linked with City. Been linked with Liverpool. Last summer, it looked like he was a, a top target for Liverpool going in. Him and Timo Werner. That was to be it. Then COVID happened, and the deal fell apart. Now we're looking at a situation where it's Liverpool for twenty five, twenty, you know, twenty eight million. Maybe Arsenal, who did have interest last year, but couldn't afford him because, again, Leon wanted 40, 50 million and they had to sign Thomas Partey. Um, it's Spurs. I, I don't know where he'd fit at Spurs. I think that one's a bit odd. Um, but I mean, you look at how he's progressed. You look at last season, for, for example, eight goals, four assists in 33 games. It's not, it's not the type of, Return, I think we were all expecting at this point. The previous season, nine goals and ten assists. So obviously last year was a big drop-off because he wasn't in the team as much. A lot of those appearances came off the bench. The season before, 18-19, seven goals and 11 assists. So he was much more productive until this past season. But again, he lost his place in the team. Rudy Garcia had different options. Lucas Poqueta arrived, so he got a lot of minutes. Maxens Kakaret has has developed, so he's getting a lot of minutes, and obviously he's a he's a wonderful player. Um, so with R, you're, you're talking about he's played a lot more on the left wing than in kind of midfield positions. I think when everybody fell in love with him, it was him, Tangai Endembele, and the other midfielder whose name escapes me. He's now at Hertha Berlin. I mentioned him yesterday. Um, he's in the French squad. For the um, for the Olympics, what is that fellow's name? 
That may just, this will bother me if I don't look it up. Lucas Tassard, also previously Liverpool. Um, that midfield three, I think a lot of people fell in love with. But now he's playing more in the front three. He, he gets a lot of shots off. He is a creative player. It just, whatever, it hasn't worked from in the last 12 months. It may just be that he stayed a little bit too long. We've seen that in other leagues. We see it frequently from the Eredivisie. Look at Donny van de Beek. He stayed a year too long. Look at Davy Klassen. He stayed three years too long the first time. Luke de Jong um, stayed too long. Sima de Jong stayed too long. Hak- uh, Hakim Zayic stayed too long. Sometimes players stay a little bit too long. They get a little bit stale. And they don't so much regress. They just don't progress. And at 22, 23, not progressing, even if you just stay the same, is the exact same thing as regression because others are passing you by. And unfortunately, that's what's happened to him. I would take him at Liverpool for the right price. But again, that right price is under 30 million. Um, Pereira, I really like. I think Pereira is a very good player. If Liverpool were looking to bring in a Shakiri replacement, I would like Pereira. I don't think he's a starter. I think he's very much, he'd be your fourth or fifth attacker. Um, I'd certainly have him over Jared Bowen. But I don't know that he's the best fit for Liverpool. I don't know that he's the ideal stylistic fit. Um, very good player, but, you know, I think he has to make the right move next. And Bowen, I mean, Bowen's a, he's a good player for West Ham. That's what he is. He's a good player. If you're a team looking to jump into the Europa League or Europa Conference League spots, I think Bowen's a solid option. He's a poor stylistic fit for Liverpool. He's not a statistical fit for Liverpool either. If you look at the model of how Liverpool generally seem to target attackers or identify attackers, XG, shots per game, things of that very high, highly regarded, he doesn't hit the markers. I won't give the piece away. I'll direct people to Sam Maguire's Patreon. Uh, he's got a free piece up on Jared Bowen. Uh, I think Sam's Twitter is Sam Maguire. Is, is it S Maguire 90? What is Sam's Twitter? Sam Maguire 90. Yes, Sam Maguire 90. Um, Maguire spelled M-C-G-U-I-R-E. He's got a Patreon. It's really good. Um, and he has got a free piece up on Bowen. I think it fits well. I think it fits well um, in, in how I view it as well. So Bowen wouldn't be for me. I think for for Everton, he'd be a good signing, you know, uh, for for West Ham. He's a, he's a good player. I don't think he's good enough for any club with real top four ambition. Certainly not now. Two years from now, we'll see. It's hard to project with players. But he's not going to progress being the fifth attacker at Liverpool. And that's the problem, is that if he walks in the door, he's the fifth attacker. So for him to get opportunities, two of the others are going to have to fall down the pecking order. To me, that seems unlikely. So he's not going to progress. So people who are saying, oh, well, no one thought Jota or Mane or... It's a different situation. There's far more competition now. Mane arrived starter from day one. 
Jota arrived as the fourth for three spots. With Mane and Bobby both struggling badly. But nobody's going to want to see a starting three of Bowen, Salah and Jota. Doesn't work at all. And like I say, Bowen stylistically isn't a great fit. Because in those wide forward roles, you're looking for someone to play on the shoulder. Bowen tends to play that bit deeper, look to pick the ball up, play a pass and then go. He also plays a little bit too wide for it to work properly with how Liverpool want to play. He wouldn't be for me. He just wouldn't be for me. Um, right. Adam Petrucian. Jordi Alba being asked to take a pay cut. Jordan Henderson asking for a pay, pay rise. Compare and contrast. Um, but Jordi Alba, I think, is a year older than Jordan Henderson. Jordi Alba should not take a pay cut, obviously. It's not his fault that Barcelona got themselves into the mess that they're in. Um, I don't think... I don't think anyone would fault Jordi Alba for not taking a pay cut or Sergio Roberto. Um, Alba in particular, obviously, you know, they both came through the academy, but Alba left for a number of years and was then bought back and was bought back on big money because they paid quite a bit for him. And they've just continued to up his salary since. But that's on the club. The club could have said no at any point before his last extension. Like when he signed that extension, they gave in to whatever terms he asked for. Henderson looks like he's either asked, I think he's, money's a factor for sure. I think he's probably asking for more money. But he's also asking for more playing time, and he doesn't deserve it. Because in two years, we don't know what he's going to be. So you can't guarantee him playing time for the future. You can say to him, right, well, this season the plan is this. But after that, we don't know. Because we don't know how you're body's going to be like you've been consistently injured for the last six years so how can you think you deserve to be you know given guarantees on playing time or whatever it is he's asking for I think it's poor from Henderson that his side have leaked this um obviously he didn't leak it but I don't think it gets leaked without his say so Alba didn't leak the story from his side because Barca leaked it because they wanted to make him look bad. And I think it's backfired. Uh, I think in, in some way it's backfired on Henderson. See, they, what's happened with Henderson's crowd is, see, right, the, the contra contrast between Alba and Henderson. Alba is in a position of strength because he's already got his contract. He doesn't need to worry about a renewal. Jordi Alba has a contract till 2024 that was signed in 2019. By the time his contract expires, he'll be 35 years of age. Now, they chose to give a 30-year-old a big five-year contract on roughly 12 million a year. That's Barcelona's error. Henderson, on the other hand, has no real leverage. He's 31 with two years left, and he's been injured a ton. He's missed the end of season in four of the last six years. He's injured every single year at least once. 
there's no market out there for him because the teams that he would want to play for won't want him, regardless of his age and foolishly trying to say, oh, well, PSG and Atletico Madrid and whatever other garbage they fed James Pierce, those clubs don't want him. And the, 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 the attempts to make out that the reason Atletico would want him is because Luis Suarez is friends with him is trash. Trash. If they were such great friends, don't you think we'd have seen a picture of them together in the last five years? Sorry, six years. Sorry, seven years since Suarez left. Don't you think we'd have seen one picture of them maybe meeting up somewhere? No, not one exists. Um, I don't, like, they might have been friendly at the club, but Suarez didn't speak great English. Henderson doesn't speak great English because he's from Sunderland. No offence, Guy, but, you know, your northerly neighbours, they just don't speak proper English up there. Um, I, I just don't see that. They, they may be friendly. I don't believe that they're great mates. Very close. If they were, wouldn't they spend time together? Wouldn't they? Like, isn't that what mates do? Or Do you go seven years without seeing your mates? So that's a nonsense. The PSG thing's a nonsense. Pochettino has, has no say in transfers. So the agent has played his hand really early. Two years left, really early. And he's got no leverage because there's nobody that wants him that he would want to go for. And the clubs that would want him, Arsenal, West Ham, maybe Leicester, but I don't think Brendan has enough sway there. Would he have interest in them? He might have interest in Leicester because I think he might like to play for Brendan again. I don't think he'd have much interest in West Ham. I mean, he might view Arsenal as a big club, which they obviously are, but I, I don't know that he wants to go and be part of a rebuild. Not at his age. I, I just, I don't see it. There's, there's no move for him. So if Liverpool say, tough, shut your mouth, sit down and get on with it. You're going to play out the next two years, and then we'll see. What can he do? What can he do? Remember, he's the club captain. So he can't publicly come out and say much himself. Because he's cultivated this image of being captain fantastic. He's had great help from the media in cultivating this image of him being this great guy. So he can't come out and say, oh, I want more money, I want more playing time, because then he'll look like a diva. So Henderson's in a, in a bad position. He's in a weak position here. And if Liverpool have sense, they just say to him, you wait. He's not a priority. We know that already. Re-signing Jordan Henderson's not a priority, nor should it be. There's far more important players and far better players who are the priority. Some in 2022. Sorry, some's some of them have contracts that expire 2023. Some of contracts that ex expire 2024. Henderson's way, way down the list. Like, I would imagine Naby Keita might even be above him because of the value of Naby Keita. Naby Keita will be worth more on the transfer market than an injury-prone 31-year-old because Naby's an injury-prone 26-year-old. And Liverpool paid £60 million for him, so they'll want to get something back. I would imagine he's behind him, potentially even behind Oxlade-Chamberlain in terms of doing an extension. Because where's Henderson going to go? 
you know? Even if they let him run his contract down, they could still re-sign him. He's not going to get huge offers at 33. Henderson's in a weak position. That's that's the contrast. Alba's in a strong position. Um, AT7. Do you think Newcastle will be sold to the Saudis and Amanda Staveley in the coming months? The fact that they're still pursuing this tells me that they think it can be done. Money does tend to conquer all, so who knows? We'll have to wait and see. I genuinely don't know. Um, I hope so for Newcastle fans' point of view, though it's very hard to, you know, given, given my dislike of PSG owners, the city owners, and Abramovich, and how they come about their money and how they treat people, especially the, the city owners and the PSG owners, and what goes on in terms of human rights in their countries, it would be difficult for me to open my arms up and welcome in the Saudis. But it would be great for, for Newcastle as a club. Could potentially be great for Newcastle as a city. Um, I don't know is the answer, though. I don't know. I think I think we've got a long runway with this where there'll be there's going to be court cases and there's going to be more appeals and they're not giving up and that tells me that eventually it probably does get done i just don't know if we're talking about in the coming months or maybe 12 months from now uh we'll take a quick break when we come back we've got some discord questions seen a few right welcome back so we have some questions here from the Discord. Um, Mr. Ecker, which players past the age of 32 are worth extending or signing to a top four club across Europe? For argument's sake, let's see, let's say a three-year deal to get them until they're 35 at least. Right. So... Messi is is obviously well over 32. He's 34 now. He's just signed a five-year deal with Barca. I wouldn't have given him a five-year deal, but I think a three-year deal would have been fine for him. Robert Lewandowski, I would happily give a three-year contract to. He's 32 years of age. He's still a consistent goal. He's actually just an incredible goal scorer. He may well be in the best form of his life over the last two seasons. Lewandowski, I would have no problem with. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo is 36. There's been a definite decline in his game the last few years, but he does still score a lot of goals. I wouldn't give him three years. I might give him two if I had money to burn. If I had City's money, Chelsea's money, PSG's money, even United's money, I might give him two years. Um, Aubameyang got a big contract last summer at 31. I wouldn't have given it to him. I don't think he ages well. Benzema at 33, I would give a three-year deal to. Because I think you're still going to get one to two more really, really good years. And then one to two decent years out of Kareem Benzema. I think he looks after himself well. I think his game ages well because he's not reliant on pace. We're seeing some of the best football of his career at this point. Uh, with the cloud of, of Cristiano gone. Uh, Benzema, I would. Jordi Alba, 
he's a left back who relies quite a bit on pace. He wouldn't be for me. Di Maria at 33. I definitely go to two years. I think the third would be pushing it. He does rely a bit on pace, but he's also very intelligent. He's got an incredible left foot. Di Maria, I'd push on. I'd go two years no longer. Gareth Bale, I wouldn't even entertain the idea. Dusan Tadic, I'd do three years without thinking. Uh, especially considering, I mean, the question, I suppose, did ask for a top four team. Top four team across Europe. I mean, a top four team in France, um, Germany, uh, maybe Italy, even Spain, like a Sevilla, could do Tadic four year or three years and not have a problem with it. I'm, I'm, he wouldn't play for Liverpool or United or City. We could play for United, actually. And he wouldn't play for Liverpool or City or Chelsea or Real or Barca or Atleti or Bayern. Um, but he could play for pretty much any of the rest. Juve wouldn't get the team or, or Inter, but the rest of them would be fine. Um, Aguero, I wouldn't have given three years to. I don't think he's aging well. I think he's been on the decline for a couple of years. Manuel Nauer, uh, normally with goalkeepers, you'd say, yeah, but at 35, a three-year deal would be a bit of a stretch. Even though he has gotten back to something resembling a top-class goalkeeper. Juan Cuadrado, no thank you. Henrik Mkhitaryan, he had a really good season last year. Three years would be a stretch. I think two more, and I think you'd be happy. Three, you're going to look at an ugly year that third year. But in Serie A, I mean, it is it is easier for players to extend their careers. The pace of the game is that bit slower. I wouldn't do three years for Suarez at 34, but I would probably do two years. Um, Suarez, again, his game doesn't rely on pace, but there's a lot of miles on Suarez. And because of how he plays, because his game relies so much on intensity and his work off the ball, out of possession... I just think maybe he's wearing down. In front of goal, he's still lethal. He was brilliant last season, obviously. But I think I'd go two and no more. Royce, I'd go two, no more than that. Uh, Felipe at Atletico Madrid, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't give him a contract anyway because I don't like him. But, I mean, you could probably give him a three-year deal if you played in France and, you know, get by. Kaylor Navas is a smaller goalkeeper who relies a lot on agility and reflexes. So for that reason, at 34, I'd pass on doing that. Mats Hummels, I mean, he's he's nowhere close to the defender he was. I don't think he's even a top top four caliber defender in the Bundesliga now. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't do three years for Mats Hummels. Wouldn't do them for our team Zuba. Wouldn't do them for Toby Alderweireld. Too many injuries. Um, Francesco Serbi reads the game really well, but he just wouldn't. He's not one that I like. Danny Pareo, I think three years would be fine. Uh, plays the game in his sleep, can walk through the game midfield. Just very, very intelligent player. Um, I think you'd be fine giving him three years. Simon Kiar, uh, pre Euros, I would have said no because of what he did for Ericsson. I'll give him 10 years if he wants them. Rui Patricio, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a three-year deal to. Um, obviously, he's now signed for Roma, and I assume it is a a three-year deal or so that he has signed there. Uh, only a two-year deal apparently, but I assume there's an option for another year. No, it is a three-year deal. I'm wrong. It is a three-year deal. Um, I wouldn't have done it. 
I don't think he's aged well. I think he's been poor for about 18 months now, so it wouldn't be for me. And the last one I have on this list then is Ivan Perisic. Um, if I can just have him to be a, a valuable squad player and I don't have to pay him mega money, yeah, I'd take him on a three-year deal. Left back, left wing, right wing, play as an ace. Yeah, I'd take Perisic for three years. Looks after himself. Don't think he has a massive history of injuries. I could be wrong. But, um, you know, pretty consistent player. No, no, no great history of injuries at all. Last season did miss three games. Um, through muscle fatigue. That'll happen when you play for Conte. Um, missed 10 games the year before. He had an ankle injury, ruled him out for eight games. He had a bad season injury-wise in 14-15. Missed 14 games. That's a long time ago. I would take Perisic for three years. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take Perisic. Um, so, yeah, off that list of 25 names, Perisic, Parejo, Tadic, Benzema, Lewandowski, Messi because, and uh, and Simon Kerr because. Um, yeah, okay. Right, moving on. Um, Dell, question for Thursday. Champions League final, Liverpool get a last-minute penalty to win it. Who would, you, who would you allow to take it? Choose one. A, Steven Gerrard. B, Mo Salah. C, James Milner. D. Gary McAllister, E. Jan Mulby. Jan Mulby. Without doubt, Jan Mulby. You want a guy with the perfect mentality, with the perfect striking technique. Jan Mulby's coming up and he's passing the ball into the top corner of the net. And he's not even blinking. He doesn't care that it's the last minute of a Champions League final. Jan Mulby is the man to take that penalty for me. Um, Owen Hurley. Am I mad for thinking that Liverpool and Klopp are the best place for Deli Ali to reignite his career? He couldn't cost more than 25 million at this stage. Maybe he could do bits at Leicester too. If Leicester sell Madison, and there's reports that Madison wants out, Deli would be a great replacement. Um, I think Deli would work really well under Brendan. Just depends on how Brendan wants this team to shape up, but. If it's something resembling a 4-2-3-1, Delhi'd be excellent as the 10 uh, behind, say, Vardy in the short term, and then Iheanacho and or Daka long term. Can also obviously play as a 10 in the diamond. I think he could play Delhi as an 8 in some systems as well if he had the right players with him. Um, I, I think Delhi'd be great at Leicester. I, I would definitely take him at Liverpool. I would always gamble on Delhi. He would allow you to move to 4-2-3-1 if you wanted to do that. He would allow you to potentially convert him into a false nine Bobby replacement type. Similar enough attributes. Delhi is, I think, 24 now. 25, maybe. Delhi is 25, just turned 25 in April of this year. And if we consider that until he was, I think, 24. Firmino was a 10 until Klopp arrived. And then he became a 9. Around the same age, give or take, you know, 
six, eight months as Delhi is now. Now, Bobby obviously works a lot harder off the ball. But Delhi's like, he's 6'2", he's good in the air, he's got an incredible first touch, very intelligent player, great awareness of what's around him, good creative passer, inventive in his flicks and tricks. I think Delhi could work in that role. And like, it's not like he can't score goals. You look at his last season with Milton Keynes-Dons, he scored um, 16. First season at Spurs, gets 10. 22 the second season, then 14. He has fallen off, admittedly. Uh, 18, 19, came back from the World Cup carrying an injury uh, to, to his thigh muscle and only scored seven in 38 games across all comps, missed a lot of games. 19, 20, he scores nine in 38. Um, played well in spells, but wasn't as consistently good. Last season was a disaster, but he didn't get on with Mourinho. I, I would definitely take Delhi at Liverpool. Um, there's no no doubt in my mind I would take Delhi at Liverpool. Um, Lubo, along those same lines, if you went through the other top six big Premier League clubs, which player on that team could be rescued by Klopp, given how Liverpool play now? Similar to the Delhi situation, I wonder if there's many or any Delhis out there. Right. So, I think Callum Hudson-Odoi would be the one from Chelsea. I think as a Sadio Mane replacement, Hudson-Odoi makes a lot of sense. He is someone Liverpool have looked at in the past. He's someone they attempted to sign when his contract was running down with Chelsea before. I think Callum Hudson-Odoi would be the one from Chelsea. Um, Manchester United, I think it's Donny van de Beek. I think as an attacking number eight, uh, van de Beek would be a really good signing. If you played him on the right of the midfield three, moving Thiago to the left of the midfield three, Fabinho obviously staying where he is, I think Donny, with his goal-scoring instincts, his movement, his ability to progress, progress play, I think Donny could be a very good signing. Again, you look at his last three seasons at Ajax, 13 and 39, 17 and 57, 10 and 37. He gets goals. He takes up really good positions. He's good off the ball, plays well without the ball, can take up great positions, clever movement, finds good pockets of space. I think Donny van de Beek makes quite a bit of sense for Liverpool. Manchester City don't really have anyone in the Delhi situation because Pep tends to play them all. I mean, the one you'd look at, and may, and he would be a great fit under Klopp because of how talented he is and how incredibly hard he works, is Bernardo Silva. However... Bernardo Silva is maybe the biggest crybaby in professional football and has said some rather rather unpolite things about Liverpool fans in the past. So I think we'd rule him out, but he would be the one at City, in my view. Um, and then with Arsenal, I don't think he's of the level, but I think Joe Willock would interest Klopp a little bit. I know that they liked Maitland-Niles a couple of years ago, but again, he's not hes not of the level. I suppose the one that stands out, now he is out on loan, 
um, as someone that you know Klopp could do well with is William Saliba. I think he's someone that Klopp could massively improve. Imagine putting him next to Virgil. If Arsenal sell him, I would bet on Liverpool looking to buy him potentially in about two years. So if they sold him next summer, keep an eye on Liverpool to buy him either the summer after or the summer after that as a long-term successor to Van Dijk. They did have interest in him before. Um, him and Fafana, obviously, at, at St. Etienne. So it wouldn't surprise me if they looked again at William Saliba if Arsenal gets stupid. I mean, look, maybe Arsenal want to buy Jordan Henderson next summer and there's some sort of horse trading to be done there. Um, Darren S. Ethical, measured, risk-averse ownership or the untold wealth of tyrannical sports washing? What say you? Look, I'll always go the ethical, measured, risk-averse route. But... You can't, nobody can tell me that they wouldn't enjoy their club having untold wealth. Like, the perfect balance, I suppose, would be united because their owners are quite frugal. They don't want to spend their own money. They take quite a lot of money out of the club. Now, I'm not saying United's ownership is perfect because obviously the Glazers are, are bad owners. They don't care about the club. They've allowed the stadium to fall into disrepair. They've appointed bad people into positions. There's a lack of uh, ambition in in a lot of what they've done over the last few years. However, that club makes an insane amount of money. And it it makes the money. It's not sports washed. It's not plucked from the hands of peasants on the streets of Moscow. This is real income that United turn over every year. If if FSG could grow Liverpool to that level, which in time they could. I mean, United pre-Peter Kenyon, David Beckham, mid-90s explosion, football growing in Asia, selling, you know, pictures of Beckham to 14-year-old Chinese girls. Pre that, United weren't close to the size of club they are now, certainly not the commercial uh, side of things. So Liverpool, unfortunately for them, were about 15 years behind United in really cranking up the commercial machine. So they could get to that level. Um, They'll need to be a bit braver, maybe. They'll need to maybe be a little less um, moral high ground type of folk. Maybe they need to, you know, sponsor the name of a stand. I don't know. But I think they can get there. Um, I think that's the ideal situation. If you could have FSG, who I think, like, let's be fair, they're very good owners. Yes, they frustrate the life out of all of us with the penny pinching and the nonsense. They've done far more good than bad, though. If you could have them with United's commercial income, I think that's the ideal situation. Because let's, let's not be in any way confused on this the reason united have been trash for eight years now is not because they haven't spent money it's because they spent money really really badly and appointed buffoons into positions of great importance and not really looked after the football side of the club that's why united have been terrible 
It's not because they haven't spent money. The money's been there. It's been spent. Who like nobody's forgetting sixty odd million on Di Maria. Um, the massive loan fee and wages they paid Falcao. You know, Pogba eighty nine million, Maguire eighty million, four hundred grand a week to Alexis Sanchez, three hundred and fifty grand a week to David De Gea. Nobody's forgetting all these things. But that's all bad use of money. Like Wan Bissaka, fifty million, bad use of money. You get a better right back than that for twenty five million. Um, that's the balance that you want. Ethical, measured, risk averse owners. And an enormous commercial monster behind you. That's where you want to be. Um, YMWA Foodie. What are your top five football biographies? Um, right. Ollie Kay's Forever Young. Uh, the story of Adrian Doherty. They... The guy who didn't make it at United. The one who was touted as more talented than Giggs and didn't make it. Um, it's brilliant. It's heartbreaking, but it's brilliant. That would be that would be on my list. Um, Ian Herbert's Bob Paisley book, The Quiet Genius, is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I would highly recommend it. Um, surprising for Ian Herbert, who I always thought was a fairly poor journalist. The book is tremendous. Um, A Life Too Short, the Robert Enka story is, again, it's heartbreaking, but it is brilliant. It is well worth your time to read. If you can, uh, if you can find it, get it, read it. It's, it's great. Jimmy Burns' Maradona book, you have to have on any list. It, it's great. Um, it's really, really good. Well worth your while. And Right, the one I would pick as my number one is Provided You Don't Kiss Me. It's Duncan Hamilton's book about his 20 years covering Nottingham Forest and in particular Brian Clough. I think it might be the best sports book ever written. It is incredible. There is another excellent Clough book called Nobody Ever Says Thank You, written by Jonathan Wilson. Get both of those and read them. They're, provided You Don't Kiss Me is incredible. It's a it's a, a look into the mind of a genius, but a flawed genius. Uh, and Nobody Ever Says Thank You is just a great book. So that's six, but I, I'm going to lump the two Clough ones together. Um, yeah, they're, they're the six I'd go for, or the, well, the five I'd go for, buy whichever one of the Clough ones, but I recommend buying both. Um, right, what have we got next? Pime Taradox was talking with this to somebody, yes, about this yesterday with somebody. Is it easier to tweak the system we have and find a quality nine or find a salary replacement in the 4-3-3? So by find a salary replacement, I assume you mean move Salah to the nine. I think that's easier because I think if you buy a traditional nine, I don't know that Mo is as effective if Mo is still playing from the right. 
One of the things that makes Mo so effective is Bobby's willingness to vacate the space of a number nine, drop deep, pull a defender, and leave that space for Mo to move into. I think Mo is the nine with a Rafinha type as the left winger. Rafinha, not a goal scorer like Mo, but more of a creator like Bobby. I think that's the move. I think that's the easier way to do it than to bring in a traditional nine. I think if you bring in a traditional nine, you maybe have to consider going to a 4-4-2 and bringing in a right winger, playing Mane on the left, or going to like a diamond or something um, and playing Mo and that nine up front. James asks, uh, assuming neither team signs another player, if Ollie and Klopp were to switch clubs before the first day of preseason, who do you think finishes higher this season? Include Sancho at United because it's effectively done. Um, hmm. Liverpool have a much better starting eleven than United. Much better. Better goalkeeper, better right-back. Throw it last season. Better left back as well. Robertson's better than Shaw. Shaw had a great season. Andy Robertson's better than him. Liverpool have the first, second, and I believe third best centre-backs between the two clubs. Now, that's we're not including Varane here. So I'm going Van Dijk, Matip, Gomez, Maguire. In order. So it's the entire Liverpool goalkeeper back for Fabinho, obviously, Thiago, obviously, and Bruno. And then I'm going Salah. Mane through the middle and Rashford off the left, maybe? Liverpool have, the far, have by far a better starting eleven. United may have better depth. Mane through the middle, Sancho off the left is the move, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, Liverpool is the better starting eleven. United may have better depth. So that makes it tough, but I still think Klopp is worth a lot more points than Oli. Uh, Oli, I think, may actually hold you back a little bit. So I'll go United to finish above Liverpool if Klopp was United manager. But I think it'd be close because Liverpool's first eleven is so much better than United's. Isaac Gilding, Liverpool are understandably not in the running for Harry Kane should he leave Tottenham. But if he, if he were to come to Liverpool, how do you think that would work out? Um, I think you'd have to play 4-4-2. I think you'd have to. You'd have to go Mane one wing. I mean, maybe you play... Maybe you have to go Harvey Elliott or, or Shaq on the right. I think you have to put Moe and, and uh, Maguire through the middle. Or Moe and, Maguire, Moe, Moe and Kane through the middle. I do think Moe and Kane would work really well. We've seen what Kane and Son could do. And I love Son. I, I think Son is Spurs' best player. If I could have one from that club, it would be him. But Moe's a better player than Son. So if Kane is that effective, dropping deep, picking the ball up and hooking it behind him into the channel, into space, Mo would run amok. Mo's ability to draw defenders would leave Kane with a lot of 1v1s as well. K 
Kane just needs a half yard to get his shot away. I think it would work well, but I think you'd have to play 4-4-2. Or a diamond, whatever you want, but you've got to have two up front. Um, Chris Colby, what are five trades you would like to see if the Premier League had trades like US sports? You mentioned Madison for Rowe as one idea. Extra points if you have dead dead weight involved in the trade. Personally, like how Theo Ratliff spent two years been known as Theo Ratliff's expiring contract around the NBA. My favorite one was the uh, the Keith Van Horn uh, contract, considering he had basically been retired for about two years and was getting traded around. Um, there's a famous Philadelphia sports pod. What's it called? Philadelphia Sports Rights to The Rights to Ricky Sanchez. Cause I think I'm I think I'm right in saying Ricky Sanchez was just traded a bunch of times. Um and is more he's a let's see. So Ricky Sanchez was drafted in 2005 by the Portland Trailblazers, never played in the NBA. So he was immediately traded to the Denver Nuggets for Jarrett Jack, so they got the rights to Ricky Sanchez. Then he was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, And again, it's the rights to Ricky Sanchez. Then they traded the rights to Ricky Sanchez to Memphis Grizzlies. And then he was traded to the Miami Heat. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. The rights to Ricky Sanchez. Involved in four, five NBA trades. And <laughs> no no real proof he ever set foot in the United States. Um, right. I Yeah, I, I did mention... Smith Rowe as a Madison piece. If I'm Brendan Rogers, or well, if I'm the person making the decision at Leicester and Madison has said I want out, I want to go to Arsenal, I don't do that deal without getting Emil Smith Rowe back. And if they push back on Smith Rowe, I say, well then it has to be Saka. I want one or the other. I think they'll give in on Smith Rowe. Um as much as I think they love Smith Rowe and want to keep him, I do think they'd give in on that. Um, James Madison for Delhi Alley is one that would interest me. I mentioned a bit earlier. I think, I think Delhi would work really well at Leicester. On the flip side, I think Madison works well at Spurs. What have Spurs been missing? A Christian Eriksen type. What is James Madison? He's a pretty good Christian Eriksen type. Maybe more of a goal scorer than Eriksen, but a similar style of player, similar skill set. Not as good a passer, but still a very good passer creative player, I think that's a trade that works. There'd obviously have to be cash involved going from Spurs along with Delhi for Madison, but I think that's one that could work. Um, I think I think Donny Van Der Beek And cash for Declan Rice is one that improves both teams as long as West Ham spend the cash well. 
because we saw last season how effective they were with uh, Jesse Lingard as a goal-scoring 10 getting into the box off the ball. Donny van der Beek does that better than Lingard. Doesn't have his pace, admittedly, but he's a better finisher and a better player. United need a holding midfielder. Rice would solve that issue. I think Donny van der Beek and cash for Declan Rice is one. Um, this is harder to do than I thought it'd be off the top of my head. Um, Yves Basima. To Arsenal for Eddie and Ketia and Ainsley Maitland Niles. A twofer. Because I think Brighton won about 35 million. I know that Arsenal last summer were quoting 20 million for Maitland Niles, and I guess they'd want about 15 for Enketia. Now, if you're Brighton, you ask for cash as well. But I think that one works because Maitland-Niles is ideal to play in a 3-4 system because he can play anywhere across the four in midfield. So that's perfect for Brighton. Um, He can start in central midfield next to Mwepe. You'd imagine... Mwepe? Mwepe is his name. You'd imagine Lamptey at right wing back if they get... Get Cucurella at left wing back, then him and Maitland Niles in midfield. That's that's solid. Um, and Eddie and Ketty gives them the goal scorer that they they need, or at least one goal scorer. Um, they can potentially go and get another as well, maybe an Odson Edward if the price continues to drop on him. So that that'd be three. So I've got I've got three there: Madison for and for Ali and Cash. Rice for Van de Beek and Cash. I don't know if Donny'd want to go to West Ham, but I, you know, West Ham's a big club. Show him the stadium, you'll like it. Um, and then this one, that's three. Let me think. Chelsea. How about Tammy Abraham for Tyron Mings? Now, Villa win that trade running away. Running away. But Tyron Mings is a left-footed centre-back who can play left-back, which makes him ideal to play left side of a three, which is the only reason he was included in the England squad. He's in his prime years. He's quick. He's pretty dominant in the air. He's a decent pass with the ball. In a three, he's less error-prone than he is in a two, and it's less costly. I think 35, 40 million is probably what Villa would want for him. We know that Chelsea want 35, 40 million for Tammy Abraham, who I think is exactly what Villa need in attack. I think if you play him up front, move Watkins wide, Grealish is a 10 and Buendia on the other flank. That's ideal. And I think Villa can replace um, Mings fairly handily. And then 
who else? That's four. This is taking longer than I expected. This is this is more difficult than I thought it would be. I'm not going to lie. Um, how about Wolf Zaha? To Everton for Moise Keane and Mason Holgate. Maybe a bit of cash involved, one side or the other. But I think Holgate would fit well at Palace, what they're trying to do. Keane would give them the goal score that they need. And I think Zaha wants that move to a bigger club, Everton or a bigger club. I think he could be quite interesting, you know, with Calvert-Lewin and, and Richarlison. Yeah, I like that one. I'm going to go with that one. That's my fifth one. So, yeah, hope that answers the question. Um, that's difficult, though. It's hard to throw in dead weight. I think the thing with throwing in dead weight is, is generally when you're trying to match salary, because it's very difficult in football to get, you know, teams to take on crap. Now, if you're a big team, like say, for example, oh, let's say United. Now, let's say let's say Chelsea decided. That what they wanted to do more than anything was buy Ishmael Assar. And in doing so, they wanted to clear off a little bit of space, um, you know, for wages or, or whatever it may be. So... Could they offer a good player, let's say, let's say Tammy as an example, and there's about a five million differential in what Watford want and what they view Tammy has been offered or been worth. So maybe they throw in a, a Ross Barkley, a Mitchie Batshuayi, um, a Ruben Loftus Cheek, whatever you know, someone that they view as dead weight. That's where I think you can do it. I think it's easier to pawn it off if you're the bigger club looking to to buy from a club below you. You can maybe convince them to take on a contract that you don't want to have anymore. Um, is that the... That's the last of the Discord questions. I think there's one more. This one looks like it's going to be a while, though. Um, so this is from Stephen Smith. Canate Saul, a Malin type, and one minor edition of your choosing this summer. Okay, so I'm going to say Canate Saul. Um, I'll take Malin and Jed Spence because I want my right back. Right, so that's this summer. Phillips, Gruyich, Divock, Nico, Tacky, Wilson, and Shaq financed this well done, Edwards. Yeah, that, that will be a great summer. Who do you sell next year and thus recruit with the approximate 
150 million total budget after sales. You must sell on two established squad players such as Henderson, Matip or Manny to do this. Milner and Adrian also leave. Right, well, the two I'd sell would be Matip and Mane, because I don't think there's any market for Henderson. Um, like, like I said earlier, there's clubs that will want him, but they wouldn't be clubs he'd be attracted to going to. I think if I keep Matip relatively healthy this season, I could probably get £25 million for him. He's worth more, but the injury problems are the injury problems, such as life. I think I can still get 50 to £60 million for Mane next summer, even with one year left in his deal. It's why I'd look to extend him by two years this summer, though, so he has three years left. So if I sell the both of them, say that's 85 million but you know that opens up one hole on the left wing which I need to fill um I've got Matip going so I need a center back Milner going I I don't need to replace him Adrian going I don't need to replace him 150 million I've got Trent and Spence I've got Robertson and Simicus, so I'm fine at fullback. I've got Allison Kelleher plus one of the young goalkeepers to step up, maybe Pitaluga, maybe one of the Polish boys. I'm fine there. I've got Virgil and Kanate, I've got Gomez, I need a centre back. I probably need two centre backs because I want five. Um Saul and Naby, Fabinho Henderson, no, sorry, Thiago Naby, Fabinho Henderson, Saul Curtis Jones. I'm happy with that. I've still got Ox. Moen Harvey, Bobby, Jota. So what I really want is I want two depth centre-backs. And either a starting nine or a starting player through the middle uh, and a starting player from the left, or I move Mo through the middle and I sign two wide players. I would go, I've said it before, I would go Rafinha. Even if it cost me 60 million, I would go Rafinha. Um, I, I just think he's that good. I don't know if 60 million gets him, but I would go all in for Federico Chiesa. I think maybe you're looking at probably 80 million for Federico Chiesa. That, that might be the price on him, uh, next year. But I, th those are the two wide players I'd go for. And I'd play Mo through the middle. Now it's a, it would be a small front line, but I think, you know, their pace, their aggression, I think be fine. They've got a great midfield behind them. So my, my back up front three then is Harvey off the right, backing up uh, Rafinha, Bobby backing up Mo. Different style, obviously, you, you can play them together. And then Jota backing up uh, Chiesa. Um, I think that's what I would do. That would leave me with a roughly £10 million budget. So what I'm going to have to do is probably sign uh, someone on a free. And... Someone for about 10 million. So, free agent centre backs next summer. Nicholas Sula, I don't expect him to be there. Christensen, I think he'll renew. Stones will, will renew. I think Ginter will renew. 
if 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 he doesn't get a contract extension done, I would 100% go Nikola Milinkovic of Fiorentina. Um, I'm a big fan. I think he'd be a very, very good signing for a price, let alone on a free. But I think he probably gets sold in the meantime. And then what I want is someone to go with him. So I've got him and Gomez now as my primary backups. And I'm looking for a fifth centre-back, preferably someone young, someone to develop, or someone you know who's older. I wonder if I could tempt Chelsea into being stupid and selling Ethan Ampadu. I really like Ampadu. I like him as a centre-back and as a holding midfielder. Um, if I can't get him, do you know what I'll do? I'll go Je- Jeremy, Jeremiah Saint-Just of Mines. Um, I reckon 10 million gets him next summer. Dutch centre-back. He's a big Virgil fan. He's talked about Virgil a bunch. I reckon he'd be happy to come in and be in the squad with Virgil. So um, Saint-Just, Milenkovic, well, Ampadu, Milinkovic, Chiesa and Rafinha would be the, the ideal, but failing Ampadu because Chelsea might be smarter than I think they are, um, maybe St. Just. Um, and that's it. That is what I would do. I think that's the question. Yeah, that is everything. Um, cool. Radio. That is the show. A little bit long today. Hopefully, hopefully better than yesterday's. Apologies again about yesterday. The, the heat was killing me, genuinely. Uh, I near died 14 different times. From the exhaustion of the heat. But um, thanks as always. Thank you to Guy Drinkle. Do tell your friends. You know. Two for the pod every day. 4pm. Nobody else does this. You know. I I am the only daily Premier League focused podcast in the world. Therefore. The best daily Premier League focused podcast in the world. Um, See you tomorrow. Bye bye. Podcast Network.